So now it's the time for us to listen to the Dhamma. And while we are listening, we should establish our mindfulness in a meditation object as well. So for example, we can bring our awareness to the breath and know it as it comes in and leaves to have a mindfulness here to try to stop the mind from thinking about the past, from proliferating about things that may happen in the future. And for now, just to put all of that down and come to sit in meditation, come to listen to these teachings of Dhamma. And, um, if we can establish our knowledge, our knowing here with the breath, with the in-breath, with the out-breath, and do that well, um, then we'll see that the thoughts that come up uh, will start to reduce. And um, at times during the practice, it's normal that thoughts that are unskillful will come up. And this is just natural. We should understand that this is something that's very normal for our minds. It's normal for our hearts to think in this manner. Sometimes there will be good thoughts, sometimes there will be bad thoughts, and this is just natural for us. But we don't allow those to seep out through our actions of body or speech. They arise in the mind. And when this happens, while we are cultivating our hearts, while we're meditating, then we just put them down, we let them go, we don't show any interest in them whether they are wholesome thoughts or unwholesome thoughts, we just put them down. And we come back to our meditation object, knowing the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, or reciting these words of Buddha, Dhammo, Sangho. So we all probably understand the meaning of the word Buddha and Dhammo. Uh, but for Sangho, we can take this up as well this recollection of the Sangha as a meditation object. And uh, these are the disciples of the Buddha and those who have practiced well, just like we chanted before in the evening chanting. The disciples of the fully self-awakened Buddha who have practiced well, practiced directly, practiced for freedom from suffering, uh, practiced with integrity, and so they practice directly in the sense that they've gone straight to Nibbāna. And they practice well in order to gain a clear understanding in the Dhamma, a clear knowing of things that we should see and know. And um, they have practiced well. Practiced well in their actions of body and speech and in mind for the purpose of freedom from suffering. And they are the highest, uh, unsurpassed field of merit for the world. So we can recollect the goodness, the virtues of uh, the Sangha as a meditation object and think about them in this way, or we can just recite this word Sangha, Sangha. And so we don't have to know or be aware of the breath, we can just use these words by themselves, Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha. And there are some great teachers, some great monks who uh, recited Buddhang Saranangachami, Dhammang Saranangachami, Sangang Saranangachami. 
they go for refuge to the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. And uh, this too was able to bring their minds to peace. So we need to understand that through uh, developing Buddha Nusati, Dhamma Nusati, Sangha Nusati, that it's okay to take up just one of them. It's okay to use all of them. We can use them in conjunction with the breath, and the in-breath bud, the out-breath do. And sometimes when we practice, then feelings will come up. There can be pain that arises. Um, and maybe this happens in different points in our body. It may feel like there's sharp pain in our heads, for example. So we must forbear with, this, with these painful feelings. And other times, and maybe especially when we first come to meditate, um, there can be quite itchy feelings in the body. And um, it feels like we're just not able to take it, that we don't want to sit anymore. But when we open up our eyes, there's nothing there that's causing those feelings. So what we should do is set our intention that now we are going to sit meditation and whatever arises, we will endure with that, we won't give in to it. We can set our intention and our determination uh, that we won't uh, give in to any painful feelings that come up. That when we, but however, if we sit and there's great amounts of pain and we're just not able to take it, then it's okay to uh, shift around, it's okay to sit in a chair, for example, to change posture. So we should observe that when we meditate, um, the mind can come into a state of peace and it will have joy and happiness coming up as well. And uh, just like how when we look at the breath um, coming in and it stays for a bit and then it goes, uh, so the thoughts in the mind can be the same as well, that there are thoughts that arise and go. But there's often a space between these. So we should have mindfulness there. And if we've got a lot of mindfulness, um, then the heart will become more and more peaceful. And the space between the thoughts becomes wider and wider. And this shows that our practice is working and we're gaining more calm. So we should observe these and notice these spaces as well. So the practice of training ourselves and cultivating samadhi brings great benefits to us. And when we take that samadhi and we listen to the Dhamma in that state, then we can gain a deeper understanding of these teachings of truth. And when we bring our minds to peace, well, when they're in this peaceful space, then wisdom can arise. And we can sometimes ask the question, well, how does wisdom come up? And what is mindfulness? What is wisdom? So when we know the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, this is mindfulness. And then there's sampajanya, a clear awareness or an all-round knowing of this. But there's also wisdom involved with these things as well. Because it's the wisdom that allows us to see the danger or the drawbacks of scatteredness, of a mind that's unsettled. And to see the benefits of training our minds. So it's wisdom that leads the way. Uh, so when we have this wisdom, then there will also, um, also be giving rise to these qualities of sati and sampajanya as well. 
And Sati and Sampajanya will be able to help us to correct any problems that come up. So if there's any danger, then it's these qualities of mindfulness and all-round knowing that can help us to escape from that danger. And so we then come to contemplate in order to see the Dhamma. And just like how we contemplate the parts of this body, we may take up the stomach, for example, or the intestines. And uh, we don't need to study about these things in a very detailed way. We just know that that part of the body is there, and it's just um, one part of the earth element. And uh, we can compare it to being like the leaves that we see on the ground. And sometimes they're green leaves, sometimes they're yellow, sometimes they're brown. Um, But when they're fallen to the ground, then they start to change their state. And as they change and change, they become darker and darker until they turn black. And then they go very hard and they uh, turn back into the earth. So we contemplate uh, the organs or the parts of the body, the hair of the head, the hair of the body, the nails, the teeth, the skin, the bones. And these are all earth element. We see them as just being this, just being earth. Just like that leaf that decays, uh, that turns back into the earth. And if we can reflect in this way well, then our minds will become peaceful. And peaceful because we've seen that these things are just earth that all the body is a collection of earth, water, fire, and air. So in reflecting like this, it's for the sake of giving rise to inner peace. And uh, when we are contemplating, then it's possible for the mind to gather together in a very peaceful space space where it comes into just one single area or just one single point. We can also gain this through being aware of the breath. The mind can become still in this way. And then the mantra of Buddha just leaves all by itself. And the heart feels rapturous, it feels very peaceful, it uh, feels full. And both the body and the mind are buoyant. And so when we train our minds like this, um, then this can happen. There's this real happiness that arises. And the our bodies can feel really solid at times. It's like they, they just come together in a very solid state. And this is because the mind has come together, because it has this energy of rapture and happiness there within it. Because it's still, because it's gathered together into ekakada, into one point. And so as we go through our meditation objects um, and we contemplate them back and forth, back and forth, then eventually they'll become still. And there won't be any thinking, there won't be any proliferating. And when we leave the state of samadhi, we can wonder what just happened and why our mind is so still. Uh, That before we didn't want to think, but the mind just carried on thinking anyway. And now, even though we may want to think about something, the mind won't think, it's so still. And uh, so if there's enough energy to our practice, to our peace, then the mind will gather together like this. 
And so this can happen through our contemplation as well, through contemplating the elements. This can bring rise to inner peace too. And sometimes when the mind is already peaceful, uh, then we can uh, take up an object uh, to contemplate. This body, for example. See it as just being earth, water, fire and air. Uh, to know it like this. And uh, if we have enough energy to our samadhi, then we'll be able to contemplate in a way that allows us to reach emptiness. We see that the earth is empty, the water, the fire and the air are empty. That when these things deteriorate, when they separate, when they disband, there's no me there. And here knowledge arises that there's no being, there's no self, there's no me, there's no other. It's merely a body. So when this knowledge arises that there's no me there, it's a direct knowing. It's not something that comes through thinking. It's the wisdom that arises through our meditation practice and it appears immediately. When we have mindfulness, when we have this clear comprehension, uh, then the mind will gather together and we'll be able to contemplate in this way so that wisdom arises. It's wisdom that comes from meditation. When we're listening to the Dhamma, there's also a kind of wisdom, but this is the wisdom that comes from listening. But we take that and we put it into practice. And then when we're practicing, we can think about it, we can go over it, contemplate it again. And clear understanding can come up here. Um, So when we listen to the Dhamma, uh, this is pariyati, this is uh, the knowledge that we gain from hearing and uh, from reading, from discursive thought. Um, And then when we go to, or when we gain an understanding, or when we put this practice, when we put this into practice, um, this is uh, patipat. And then when we contemplate so that there's a clear understanding and knowledge, uh, this is uh, patawedi. And so this is the knowledge that comes through our wisdom. And when it's like this, then we see the results of the practice appearing for us. So when our mindfulness is well established, when our samadhi is in a solid state, um, then whenever the eye sees a form, or the ear hears a sound, or we taste something, uh, we smell something, we touch something or feel something or there's a mental object appearing in the mind, then with this mindfulness and the samadhi we'll have the energy to struggle against it. So some people really like to eat and they uh, really like the flavor of food. They find it very delicious and they can feel like they don't have the energy to fight against it, that their mindfulness, that their samadhi is insufficient. But if we are training ourselves um, like we are now, then if we feel that way, we should put the food down first. We don't just go and eat it straight away, but rather we chant, we bring our minds to stillness, and then we go and eat. And if we really like uh, that food, then we should contemplate it. Um, But If the mindfulness isn't well established first, then the enjoyment that we find in that food will lead to attachment and the mindfulness just won't be up to speed with it. 
So we should train ourselves first before eating, by chanting, by contemplating, seeing the food as being elements. We see that when we put it into our bodies, then it turns quickly into something that's disgusting. And so we contemplate in this way, seeing that uh, when we eat this uh, food, um, that sometimes we can become quite deluded in it. We think that it's something very delicious, but then when we put it into our mouths, when we chew it, then it, comes, it becomes coated with saliva. And if then we take it out of our mouths, what's it like then? The thing that before was very delicious, that we had a lot of joy and found pleasure in. Now when we take it out of our mouths after having chewed it and look at it, um, then we'll see it as being something unattractive. Uh, so when we contemplate a food like this, um, then we see that it is something quite disgusting. And uh, the meat that we eat, uh, for example, this is something that is dirty. So we have to take it and boil it, cook it, in order to kill the bacteria first. And then we're able to eat it. But then when we put it into our bodies, it becomes something disgusting again. So we should contemplate that when we chew the food, then what's it like then? When we swallow it and it goes uh, down, what's it like? When it enters into our stomach, then what's it like then? And it's um, something quite disgusting that all the different things, all the meat, the vegetables, the desserts, everything just gets collected together in the stomach. And if it comes out, then how do we feel? Would we still be deluded in it? Would we still think it's something good? And we've all seen this. You know, someone who has vomited their food out. And it's really disgusting. But when the body digests the food further, um, and it goes into the intestines, and then it comes out the other end as feces, um, we see that all the things that are excreted from this body, whether it's feces, whether it's urine, they're all disgusting things. And so we should look over them well, and see this food as uh, something that is disgusting. So before it was in the intestines, then it was in the stomach, and before that it was in the throat, and before that in the mouth, and before that it was on the plate. And maybe it can be a very expensive um, food item, or maybe it's quite a cheap dish. But all of it comes together into the body as something that is unattractive. So if we have mindfulness, we have samadhi, then we'll be able to see it in this way. And these, this food, it's just elements that follow nature, that change according to causes and conditions, something that's inconstant, something that does change. And so in contemplating um, in this way, uh, then we should contemplate before we eat and also be contemplating while we eat as well. And as we do this, um, then we should gain a clear understanding of what it is that's happening. Uh, the great liking that we had before can get reduced. Even though there can be a lot of attachment towards this food, um, that can lessen and lessen. And so when this happens, then when we get food that we like, um, then we can eat that and it's fine. And if we don't, 
get what we like, then that's also fine. We're able to resign ourselves to that, to accept that. And uh, so we should use these methods of contemplation. And this is the work of a monk or of novices to be contemplating consistently like this. And it's also a practice that the monks use uh, to mix all their food together in the same vessel. And whether it's the savory items or the dessert items, we put them all together and what it will be like then. So the laity can do this as well on some occasions, to just take one bowl and put all the food into it. Um, the dessert, the savory items, even put Ovaltine into it. And we'll see that the flavor of that food changes. Perhaps food that was once delicious, we won't really want to eat it, but we still endure. And so these are ways that we can cut away the delusion that we have, ways that we can contemplate uh, into the elements as well. So we train ourselves like this. So samadhi is something that's very important. Uh, sila we take as the foundation of our lives. And these are both practices that are there within the Eightfold Noble Path. We have right view. And uh, this leads us to, <coughs> to taking up the precepts, whether the eight precepts or the five precepts. We also have the intention to not harm any being ourselves or others to the intention of renunciation, to not find pleasure in the things of this world. And then we come to collect together and restrain our actions of body and speech. And then we put effort into cultivating mindfulness. And even though there may be a lot of proliferation, uh, we know what's happening. Uh, whether the thoughts going on are good or bad, we put them all down. And it's not the case that uh, we won't experience any bad thoughts whatsoever. Uh, that when we are new to the practice, then we have this feeling of self, and these thoughts will come up. But as we train, then they should start to reduce. The doubts that we have should lessen. So as we're practicing, we need to endure, we need to struggle, we need to train our minds like this and be sincere in it, and to practice continually. Uh, because we should think that this life of ours doesn't last long. And we're only in this world temporarily. We come and then we go. And we need to be separated from everything and everyone. That this world has no owner, Old age, sickness, and death is the owner of the world. And there isn't anyone who truly owns anything in this world. That all things are just nature. And we borrow this nature. We borrow the earth, the water, the fire, and the air. But our minds become attached to these things. They find pleasure in these things. So they deludedly cling to them as being me and as being mine. So we all have this ideal you know, to see the Dhamma and we need to rely upon the power that we have of endurance and we gain this sight of truth little by little and slowly but surely our heart becomes more at ease 
we see the nature of change, the nature of inconstancy. And we've all had experience of this already in our lives. So we should really put our focus on contemplating like this until we gain an understanding, gain an understanding of the practice. So may all of you train in this way together. And so we'll just have a break now for five minutes and then we'll come back and do the question and answers. Kana Tina, Lagajami Gan Tob Banha Tamat.